passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What? What the hell? What the hell? Oh my God! The beast! Brock Lesnar's here! Brock Lesnar's here! Lesnar's here! It's hell in a cell and Satan himself has arrived! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Post Wrestling's WWE Hell in a Cell Post Show. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting, live from Post Wrestling West. I say live because... Post Office West. Post Office West. Yeah. We are technically live. There are people watching us right now, live on our video stream, that got to see... You know, on Saturday, they did a... They did hours and hours of the Hell in a Cell construction. Well, we decided, what if we did our own construction of our set for everybody that got to tune in? And they got to see the literal construction yes. of our unbelievable office. I think setup. it actually is kind of cool for people watching to kind of get a glimpse into uh, you know, everything that goes on when things aren't supposed to be recorded. Yeah, we... Needed an extension cord, and everyone got to see that. So uh, we have many people joining us uh, and others that are listening to this on Monday morning. Welcome, everybody. This is going to be a lot of fun. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. So, way we watched this show together. This was a rare time where you and I watched the show together. We never watch shows together. Yeah, it's rare. We only did it because so we could do this in person. Yeah, um, we would not be doing this for any other reason. I mean, well, I guess we used to often during the law when we were... I guess when I was call screening those shows. Which um, wasn't all that different, that we just sit in silence. Yeah, it's really not that much fun. I mean, I don't know if some of you guys would want to the, want to like be around or as, at least would want to see us live stream us watching a pay-per-view, but it's not fun at all. Like, In fact, I think John and I tried to make an effort to not talk that much because we don't... Because what's the point? We don't want to really... like we. If you and I disagree on something, I would want that reaction to be recorded for the show. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't have the disagreement two hours before, and then by the time we get here, it's like, ah, I can understand your point. Yeah. No, I want to be completely stubborn. Or like, I already know what you think of this match, therefore, uh, it might influence my opinion some way. So, it's I've not... Got, I've got jokes in my head that I'm like, do I waste this now, or do I save it? It's very tough. Basically, it's not much fun being around us when we're watching. No, you would not want to do this. <laughs> it wouldn't be a lot of fun at all. Yeah. Way, I don't know if you've noticed, but we are joined by a very special object tonight. My Dell yeah, is back. I know. Congratulations. Tell us what happened. Well, you had some issues over the weekend. It was unbelievable timing. I left your place 
on Saturday afternoon, right after we did the New Japan show. Yeah. I got into my car and I look at this computer place was open for another three hours or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, this could be a really long wait. And at the end of it all, he could just tell me, oh, it's not going to be ready today. And I've blown three hours. I get into my car. Within five minutes, he calls me. Really? He's like, I've got it. Yeah, in the car. Wow. After I left your place. Within five minutes. Wow. And he said, I've got great news. And I was like, oh, thank God. He's like, it's ready now. And I got over there. And it turns out it was like some, I don't even know the name of what it was called. It was just like a driver inside of the the laptop that was dead. Mm. And he said, you know, it's... It's fine. It's all ready to go. Hundred bucks. It's like thanks. He like knocked the price down. I was like, dude, you saved me huge this weekend. Wow. I am going to recommend uh, Electron Computers at Young and Finch in North York. Okay. Open on Saturdays, which not a whole lot of places are. This guy was great. Tell him John Pollock sent you. Yes. yes. Tell him John Pollock sent you. So I had my computer saved my Saturday. Didn't have to wait three weeks for Dell to come and not fix my laptop on their first try and then have mm-hmm. to come back a second time. Mm-hmm. This was a largely painless experience. That said, uh, I am I am learning about backing up all my files and also knowing that this laptop is not long for this world. It's coming up on four years since yeah. I got this laptop, and that's right around the time that you know we we got to be we got to be preparing for the future. You, on the other hand, you just gave birth. I just I have a brand new machine and uh, everything should be fine. So uh, let's hope at least. This is really throwing me that we have our video going, know, going here. Really like no, it. it's fine. It's I fine. I kind of need to monitor. Yep, it to you do. Like, no, you're to make a- sure everything's okay. But I I don't like looking at myself. How was uh, Saturday night? I didn't even ask you about your weekend because we just did a show yesterday. So many shows. My Saturday evening, uh, I, I chipped away at Super Mario World. I'm I'm happy to say that. <laughs> How are we I'm, doing? Uh, out of 96 exits, uh, I am at 94, so I'm very close. Well, congratulations on behalf of everybody that is uh, tuning in and living vicariously through you. That is what I'm on to. Super Mario World. Yeah. I caught up on – what did I watch? I, I, oh, I watched episode one of American Vandal as well. Oh, my God. Okay. Should we save the discussion? Yes, for we should definitely discussion. save it. Okay. I watched the first two se- – the first two seasons, the first two episodes of the latest season of American Vandal. Yeah. I can't wait. Okay. You and I are going to do a show on the second season of American Vandal. Sure. You were asking me, you know, how long is it going to take us to watch these? My answer, not long. Yeah. I wanted to keep watching these on Saturday, but I also had to go ahead and uh, watch The Incredible Hulk, which we're going to talk about this week. Yeah. All this non-stuff, all this non-wrestling stuff, but... I'm happy for it. I'm happy for it. Let's save all that talk for later. We do have a pay-per-view to get to. That's right. Let's jump right into it. Hell of a Cell, Sunday night. A show that I will say I was not one of those shows that, man, I can't wait to watch this show. Mm-hmm. But on paper, as we discussed on Rewind to SmackDown, mm-hmm. it looked good on paper. Yeah, I think so. I feel like it's a combination of perhaps um, some some exhaustion, I suppose, maybe uh, during this time of the year. Um, coupled with the fact that maybe some of the builds haven't been exactly great, especially on the Raw end of it. That kind of made me not really look forward to this, despite, I, I agree with you, a good-looking card on paper. So this was a show that was off the air by about 10.40 p.m. Eastern Time, mm-hmm. which, if you tuned in at the beginning of the kickoff, is still... Four hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. 
But I thought this was a much more compact show, Mm -hmm. eight matches total, Mm -hmm. and really you don't have to tune in until 6.30. So we're talking about a four-hour show. That's – I thought it was much more manageable. And everyone got time. You didn't – I'm not a fan of these 12-match, 13-match events Mm -hmm. like we got at SummerSlam. So Mm -hmm. I do like the fact that these B-shows, they're trying to be off the air by 10.30. Tonight we went over by 10 minutes. Yeah, uh, and I think also All In, you can look at, you know, as an example of maybe there being too many matches and not enough time, especially for the main event. This was a a case where I felt like everybody had enough time. They went off air, I think, at 10.40, close to 10.40, and I think we're all very happy. And abruptly, they went off the air. You're talking about tonight, in LSL? yeah. How was it abrupt? It was the ref came in, waved it off, boom, we're off the air. I mean, they, there was they, no they gotten reaction stuff. Yeah, I but. guess. So let's get into it. Sunday night from the AT and T Center in San Antonio, Texas, and the kickoff. We you got here midway through the kickoff show. Yeah. Our panel featured Jonathan Coachman, Page, uh, David Otunga, and Booker T would like swap in and out for each other throughout the hour. And then really? we had Peter Rosenberg. Yeah. I guess it feels like everybody kind of needs FaceTime on the kickoff panel. I guess so. Um, but for guys like Booker and, and Otunga, like it really seems to be all they're doing that's related to an on air thing for the WWE now. And now Coachman. Yeah. Like at some, it kind of feels like it's like almost like a, a, a place for all the rejected raw announcers, doesn't it? A little bit. Um, I didn't understand why Paige was on the panel, especially when you had Booker and Otunga rotating. Yeah, I think they needed a, a female. Is that the quota? They I, have to have a female on there? No, I, that's my thinking. I didn't my think this worked. It started off, Coachman was so reliant on his notes early on. Like, you just saw his head bobbing up and down, up and down between yeah. his notes, which I understand is a nitpicky thing. He did not bring the energy Renee brought to these panels. I think that part was noticeable. And and I'll say as well that her transition to the broadcast, I think she is m- much more subdued now on the commentary. As opposed to the panels that I think she had a lot more free reign mm-hmm. to improvise and uh, have that energy that I mm-hmm. didn't really sense throughout a show like this where we got her uh, on and off throughout the, the four-hour show. Right, right. So not a whole lot to take away from the kickoff show other than uh, they announced Randy Orton and Jeff Hardy would open the the main show. And David Otunga's line, bringing up how Samoa Joe brought up AJ's family. And that that's how Machine Gun Kelly's beef began with Eminem by Mm -hmm. mentioning his daughter. Yes. And I know a lot of people want your thoughts on this. You're not quite up to date. I have no idea exactly what's going on. I've never heard a Machine Gun Kelly song in my life. So I imagine... I don't know. I hear Eminem's doing quite the number. I imagine Braden will probably be talking a bit more about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe he'll have an extensive breakdown, yeah, but it so. sounds like Eminem kind of 10 8 him. Yeah. That's my that's my ethering nomenclature. Sure. Uh, lone kickoff match featured Kofi Kingston, Big E, taking on Rusev and Aiden English for the SmackDown tag titles. They got the advantage on Kofi early on. A lot of double-team offense until Kingston hit a tornado DDT. Big E came in, suplexes all over the place. And then ran into a back elbow from Rusev, landed a Machka kick. English made the blind tag. And English and Rusev, there were a lot of, like, blind tags they incorporated here. Aiden English, um, after Biggie speared Rusev through the ropes to the floor, English mm-hmm. had a Topekon hero, which is something we don't typically uh, see from Aiden English. So he certainly had his uh, his ambitious uh, moveset laid out. 
Kingston came off the top with a tumble foot stomp to English off of Biggie's shoulders for a near fall. Kingston then was launched to the floor, series of dives, and then English and Rusev start arguing in the corner. Rusev misses a splash because of the delay, and then English hits his splash. He applies the accolade to Kofi Kingston while Rusev is yelling to tag him in while the accolade's applied. Kingston breaks free of the accolade. He recovers, hits the trouble in paradise after Rusev's taken away, and pins Aiden English. So the New Day retain the tag titles. Eight minutes, 49 seconds. Kind of a fun kickoff match and yeah. building further to the... uh the dissension between Aiden English and yeah. Rusev. I was in the middle of setting up uh, down here, so I didn't catch the whole match. But from what I did catch, it seemed to me like, that it was kind of their continued attempt to to make English, uh, to redeem English, I suppose, from being the guy who's been taking uh, the weak link of the team to kind of being a very strong member. In fact, at one point, filling in for Rusev when he was unavailable. I thought it was like a nice bit of symbolism of him starting to do the accolade um, because it's, it's his grandfather-in-law's move gory guerrero that's a great move. point yeah. i don't know if that was intentional at all but i mean if he continued to use the camel clutch i feel like that would kind of actually be a nice little thing for him um and it seems it seemed like the crowd was really into it and do want to kind of see this team eventually win but now i think it's too soon yeah it was you know a fine new day tag match um yeah f- fun kickoff match mike rome interviewed mick foley and he mentioned all the times he's woken up over the last 20 years in a cold sweat, knowing that today I've got radio interviews and I'm going to be asked about this damn match from 1998. And Baron Corbin walked in, asked if he was up for the task of being special referee, and Foley offered him some tips for being a general manager. Corbin was not interested. And that was the last we'd see of Baron Corbin, the general manager. Not much of a role, I suppose, for, for these kind of GMs on these pay-per-views. That's okay. Yeah, totally fine with it. The main show kicked off with our first Hell in a Cell match, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, and as most people were discussing on Saturday, mm-hmm. we have a new look Hell in a Cell. It is the the red cell. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about this change, this visual alteration to the cell? Because I've got to say, all these years of looking at those cell matches, it was a real sticking point with me. <laughs> I thought, you know what? This looks too much like a fence. Oh, I, I, I wish there were different colored it's, it's one of those things that I don't think anybody asked to, to be changed, uh, but for whatever reason, they thought a change was in order. Um, first like of if, all, you, if you surveyed people, like, changes to make the hell in a cell, not one person would bring up the no, color. Not absolutely one. Absolutely not. I think, first of all, I thought it was really cool that they decided to live stream the building of that cell. That was a great idea. On Saturday. I mean, I think we're in an age now where, like, you know, uh, I guess I guess this is a, a, a point, but everything is being streamed right now, no matter how mundane. Uh, and there's an audience for it. I thought it was certainly cool. I did not stick around to watch that much of it. But the the fact that I could, I think is... is I think it's something really they great. should do around WrestleMania time. Sure. When they're, yeah. That's a week-long process. Yeah. And Everything is content these days. 100%. You know, and mundane. what did that take? P- putting up literally a camera phone. They actually they, had multiple cameras. Did they have multiples? Thing. Yeah. I thought, um, when I saw that, I was like, man, this is very unlike WWE. Like, that's yeah. a really cool thing that there there is an audience that will tune in for a couple of minutes. Like, they're, I clicked on for a few minutes just to watch it. They're embracing new technology. And also, I mean, in the end, it's a way to promote their pay-per-view, isn't it? And they also had something newsworthy. Yeah. That comes out of it. Yeah. That, at the yeah. very least, if you tune yeah. in, you're either tuning in out of curiosity because you've heard about this red cell, yeah. or you tune in and it's like, wow, I, I am coming away with some piece of knowledge here about tomorrow's show. I don't mind the red cell so much, especially like when the camera's inside, 
the hard camera. That was tough. That, that reminded us of the, the, the asylum match that yeah. TNA would use. Where but they, it's, it's even worse with the cell because it's actual chain link fence rather yeah. than gaps, right? So you can tell they, that they didn't use that shot too much. I don't mind the cell so much as just like a big red wash backdrop when you're inside the cell. However, I will say it looks less devastating. I think everybody knows how steel chain link fence feels like. When you're coloring it red, it tends to look more something like artificial or plastic. So I think it kind of takes it, takes it away a little bit. It also opens them up to sell toys, like a Mattel line of That's red probably cell line. exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the match begins. Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy. Hardy brought out a table immediately, and he actually stood on the back of the table to use it literally as a surfboard, sending it into Orton's ribs. And then Hardy brought out a ladder. Uh, we were just getting all these weapons. Hardy hit a poetry in motion coming off the chair, sending Orton into the cage. And then Orton stopped Hardy and landed this superplex, which had, I mean, he like balanced himself on the top and then just dead weight lifted Jeff Hardy to smash him down into the canvas. Hardy came back with a whisper in the wind. And then Hardy set up a ladder upside down on the floor. He went for a suplex. Orton dropped Hardy onto uh, the connection part of the ladder, like with this gourd buster, mm -hmm. and proceeded to attack Hardy with chair shots inside the ring. And then, you know, it's a very devastating way is that you can hit any man with a chair, but when you remove the protective mesh shirt, oh, yeah. that could be long-term damage. Uh -huh. And that's what Randy Orton did. And then he grabbed the studded belt. So much of this feud, I think subtly, is is based around Randy Orton wanting to attack Jeff Hardy for his taste in fashion. You know, it's the ear gauges he absolutely hates. He's kind of a weird dominatrix. Mm. I mean, Jeff Hardy's fashion sense, I think, would, would kind of play into that. Yeah, I know. But, you know, Randy Orton, obviously not a fan of those ear things, not a fan of studded belts, and not a fan of mesh shirts. Hardy was encouraging the delete chance. Orton stopped a twist of fate, hit the power slam... Uh, during this, Hardy was able to use the belt on Orton, and he cut open his back. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, it made such a perfect imprint that there were, like, little specks of blood all in order, perfect order, coming off of Randy Orton's back. So then Orton goes to the ground, and he grabs a toolbox from under the ring, mm -hmm. and he just dumps it, and he settles on a screwdriver. Yeah. And I'm thinking... I know he's going to do something awful. And I'm thinking he's going to, I don't know, use it on the forehead. He's going to do something. I wasn't quite prepared for this. He put the screwdriver through Jeff Hardy's ear gauge in, in, into the, the, the circle. The, the hole, yeah. The lobe. Yeah. He puts it all the way through and then he starts twisting and twisting this ear you saw me. I turned away multiple times here, like, trying not to watch this. Well, knowing how you reacted when he just put his finger in there, I couldn't have... This was that times yeah. 10. Yeah, it was way worse. I mean, it was so gross, but just like how I feel about the finger in the ear, I thought it was so awesome. Hey, credit to them. This was the spot that got everyone so squeamish yeah. on television that they did it... Like, that was the whole intent of this, that this struck a nerve. This was so much, this got so much bigger of a reaction than any weapon shot yeah. or than Jeff's dive at the end. And if you're telling me in a Hell in a Cell match, Jeff Hardy's biggest spot is him 
Well, it wasn't, and it didn't end up being. It was his him falling spot. off the monkey bars. Yeah, but I mean, if this was all it was going to be, I wouldn't have had that big of a complaint for it because I think this was something that was safe to do. Just kind of uh, 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 had a gross out factor attached to it, and it did elevate this crowd into a different level out in this match. I can also appreciate that in an era where you have seen every stunt imaginable, yeah. I think like. This was creative. It, Wasn't this, it? this elicited a different reaction. Yeah. Like the gross out factor is something that uh, outside of if you're watching like Big Japan or like Tournament of Death, you're probably not privy to. But even that type of gross out is more like, you know, cheese grater or exacto knife in the forehead type Tens of gross outs. Stuff that actually hurts. This I could very well tell probably didn't really hurt. I'm trying to remember the name of those damn things that they were. Uh, anyway, Damien all. Remind us of what? Oh, just the, these bloody like spikes that they put in guys' heads and stuff, like oh, just okay. horrendous stuff yeah. that I don't think we'll see introduced here. So Hardy comes back from this, like he fights back. He counters the RKO, hits the twist of fate, placed a chair onto Orton. Now the chair was the wrong side you want, like mm. the exposed uh, under part of the chair was facing up as Hardy went for a swanton and hit it. That Orton kicked out from. My assumption is that he wanted to protect Randy, it seemed. You know? I guess by sacrificing himself, who was taking a huge bump onto the back of this. And somehow in all of this, Orton sliced up his leg. Mm -hmm. And there was a piece of his skin dangling. That was gross. Oh, and they had this close-up of it. Like, this was really violent by WWE standards. And not like a crazy, typical pro wrestling violence, but just... These guys were messed up by the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two ladders and a table set up. And it looked like Hardy was going to do that that leapfrog spot over top the ladders. Yeah. Then he ascended on top of the bigger ladder and hung from the ceiling of the cell. And he starts fling Like, like monkey bars. Yeah, just like monkey bars. And he's uh, shifting his weight back and forth. And AJ had done this in TNA on several occasions. So Jeff then flies off the top. Orton is out of here. He's not even on this table. And Jeff just crashes through the table. The referee has seen enough. He is calling for assistance. Orton tells the referee, do your job as he pins Hardy at 24 minutes and 42 seconds. So we would have two cell matches that referees were trying to call off on on this show. Orton wins, right finish. But I'll say the, the ending here, I think that... Like, Jeff Hardy built this up to be really heightened everyone's expectations. And while I'm glad we didn't see a crazy stunt here, Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of what they were trying to sell you on the end. And I think anyone that's followed Jeff Hardy's career, this was pretty tame. For a Jeff Hardy match, sure. I mean, compared to maybe what your expectations are. Compared to TLC matches, yeah. And I think we're all grateful for it. You know, at this point... Like, I don't know if I would enjoy seeing Jeff Hardy fall from a ladder or, or fall from the top of the cell through something. We would have all kind of grown. I like the match. They they went 25 minutes here. I did too. I thought it was a good hardcore match. And they didn't overdo it. Um, even though, like, if you look at the casualties coming off of this with the amount of blood that they, they sh- uh, uh, Orton had suffered. Well, Orton um, got, got sliced all over yeah. the back, the leg. I mean, he seemed to be the one that really got cut up. I mean, Jeff's always hurt. So I'm sure... 
it was just compounded in this match. I thought the match like managed to kind of deliver a level of violence that you would expect for a Hell in a Cell without kind of risking the participants. This was more like much. pain as yeah. opposed to stunts. Yeah, and like to me, the most memorable spot. Uh, I mean, monkey bars too, but also it, it was the ear. You know, something that didn't require anybody to hurt themselves all that much. You know, uh, something also that kind of stood out to me was like maybe the WWE's very much now relaxed stance on blood in their matches. There was a lot of blood here. Not only was there blood, they decided to give us plenty of close-ups on Randy Orton's I didn't even cuts. notice the referee put the, the gloves on. Gloves were on. Gloves they were on. on. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, we got close-ups of the hanging skin from Randy Orton's thing. And if you remember back to like even as recent as like that Samoa Joe Finn Balor match where they decided to stop the match because of a bit bit of a cut on the forehead, it feels like they've really kind of relaxed those rules. Which I'll say if if I were concerned about doing blood to upset any sponsors or partners, I would say that screwdriver spot would rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Way worse than guys that are just bleeding in a simulated fight. Definitely. So I wonder, I mean, you know, I guess they do have a certain amount of fuck you money now where they don't really care all that much about, you know, uh, pissing off Mattel. But uh, it, it, it does definitely seem a bit more relaxed. Uh, definitely a, a violent match, but I thought the better of the two Hell in a Cell matches on Sunday. Um, I We like, can discuss I later. like the other one, actually, but yeah. Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch was up next for the SmackDown women's title. Uh, this followed an interview with AJ uh, saying he was vowing revenge against Samoa Joe. Charlotte and Becky come out. And they go back and forth. Each are trying to get the advantage. Um, Charlotte's going after Becky's left knee while Becky is targeting the left arm mm-hmm. of Charlotte. And I kind of liked the way that they did this. It was each going back and forth and the each trying to gain the advantage on the other who know each other inside out and just trying to capitalize on either mistake. This was Damian Maya, Gunnar Nelson, and Damian Maya saying the slightest mistake will be costly. Exactly. So they clearly listened Friday. They were inspired by Damian, Maya, Gunnar Nelson. But we had more of a close contest here. Uh, Becky kept going to the left arm, snapped it on the apron. Charlotte landed a belly-to-back suplex to stop Becky. But in doing so, hurt her arm, uh, put a good focus on her match. There was a lot of, like, matches that were heavy on body part selling Mm -hmm. on this show. Charlotte landed a big boot out of the corner, then missed the moonsault. Becky went for the arm bar, but Charlotte was able to lift her up for a sit-out powerbomb. Crowd started a Becky chant. They traded strikes. Becky used a hammerlock to set up an inverted DDT, again mm. targeting the arm. I really like that. I love her kind of pulling out. I love it anytime when somebody pulls up unusual offense that they don't typically do if it specifically targets a body part that they're working on. I like that. And yeah. the polar opposite is when they're selling something, but they've got to do their trademark spot that requires you to just forget about what you were selling. Because that happens sometimes. You know, yeah. I've said about it in some Rollins matches, for instance, where he's still got to do, like, the buckle bomb when he's selling a knee or something. Right. And it was like, no, you All should... All his offense you, is based around his knee. You should tailor your moveset to the story you're telling. And I thought that was the case here. Um, Becky again went for the disarmor, but Charlotte was too close, got underneath the bottom rope. And as Charlotte gets up, she goes for a spear, and it was countered with a roll-up as she got the cover, pinning Charlotte, 13-51, I thought this was really well done, and I like the finish that here is one of Charlotte's trademark holds that Becky knows all the counters to Charlotte's key stuff, and what I thought they might do was the figure eight where she posts up and the arm gives out, and that mm-hmm. can set up the finish, but I like this. This worked. Yeah. It was a surprising finish. I thought for sure, you know, considering how the match went, that they would go with a submission finish for one of the two, uh, but I was totally happy with this. I like the match a lot. I mean... 
I almost wasn't sure that they would put the belt on Becky because I think Charlotte is such a featured player. You know, they you can kind of tell that they might want to do the whole um, Roman Reigns thing or, or or a big Ronda type of type of push with her. But I think putting the belt on Becky is the right move, not just for Becky but for Charlotte because you are avoiding a lot of those Roman Reigns types of uh, uh, feelings that have been pent up about her. So I think it's good for the both of them. Becky is incredibly hot right now. And I think this move extends the feud, and it helps cement Becky as a major character. So I, I'm I'm very happy with with everything. It was a great match, you know, great storytelling with with the arm and and the leg. Charlotte selling I thought was fantastic, and I think Becky even in ring with this new character, she feels a lot more compelling. This was one of my favorite matches on the card. I yeah. really enjoyed this, and I like the story you can come out of this. That Becky can this cements her argument that you avoided. Mm-hmm. Me for all this time because I had you figured out and you knew that and you can't beat me. So it means something when Charlotte finally beats this woman for the title right. uh, that she'll have yeah figured out Becky. And remember, Charlotte didn't beat Becky in a one-on-one match. She beat Becky in a three-way yeah, with Carmella. Yeah, with Carmel. yeah. Now, Becky is the one who actually beat Charlotte in a one-on-one match. So, yeah. I mean, I, I really do like this story. Like, had Charlotte won this, I think that really kind of ends it. Like, yeah. it, it takes a lot of the drama away from it. Mm-hmm. So... We move on. Charlotte goes to shake her hand after the match. Becky just holds up the title, walks away, stating, you will never take my moment. Mm-hmm. Bitch. There was no bitch. She didn't say that. We had Kofi Kingston dressed as Kramer Kingsman interviewing Big E and Xavier Woods. And they announced that they would defend their tag titles next against the bar. Yeah. So, in Australia. Yep. The whole roster found out about Wikipedia tonight and what had been previously yeah. announced. Uh, except for Samoa Joe, actually. He was not aware that he had a match with AJ coming up in three weeks <laughs> that had already been noted. And they poured buckets of pancakes over that that dude who dresses up as their... Booty's worth. Booty Booty's worth. worth. Booty worth. Yeah, what a... This was a goofy segment. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, defending the Raw tag titles against Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose was next. And a lot of time. That was the, the benefit of having less matches. Was yes. Everyone got a lot of time. And this yes. match definitely benefited from that. So we had uh, two-thirds of the Hounds of Justice challenging two-thirds of the Dogs of War, mm-hmm. which was re- referred to by Corey Graves here, the Dogs of War. And, and, then, we, and then we got Team Paws in the Mixed Match Challenge. Oh, man. We got all these uh, yeah. these dog representations on the show. They're, they're more of a cat team. though. I guess you're right, yes. Um, Rollins... Uh, was tagged in after Ambrose had been beaten on for some time and the dogs beat down Seth Rollins in their corner, got the advantage on him for a lengthy period, including a sleeper by Ziggler. McIntyre hit an inverted Alabama slam and just like traditional tag stuff. Like Ambrose gets the tag referee misses it. And it just audience was, you know, pretty heated for it throughout Mm -hmm. like just simple tag stuff. Finally, Ambrose gets the big tag and he runs wild. Graves said that Ziggler and Drew McIntyre, they have outclassed the challengers. And Renee says, I'd love to disagree, but I can't. So you can't accuse her of being a biased journalist. Yeah. Here she is. She, uh, she definitely, like, uh, you could tell kind of they had a decision about, like, how we're going to position Renee in these Dean Ambrose matches. And it's her. Like, they acknowledge that. They don't just say it like outright, oh, you're married to Dean, but like they assume everybody knows. In fact, at one point, Graves calls her unbi- uh, kind of calls her biased mm-hmm. about, about an opinion. So they don't kind of just tell you out, out, outright, but it's like, it's like real life. You know, if somebody it, were to it's marry- insulting to ignore it completely. Yeah. 
And like Megan O'Leary is married to uh, Joseph Benavides. Yes, right? and she's had to interview him yeah. after wins and losses. And it's it to me it just feels just like that. And totally to me it works. It's fine. And to me, even if you want to make the argument that well, Total Divas is not canon to WWE programming, she's not going to be on it anymore. Well, and also remember last year with the Miz and Maurice stuff, yeah. they did it on WWE programming, establishing Renee and Dean's relationship. So right. they've introduced on the show. Yeah. So I think that's fair criticism now for Samoa, anyone. Samoa Joe mentions it in his promos. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I I think it's you know you have to. Like, don't insult the audience. You don't have to hit people over the head with it. But, but it the, should be acknowledged. Yeah. But Renee is just basically kind of being a professional broadcaster, not making mention of it, not letting it cloud her judgment. Ziggler and McIntyre caught Rollins on the floor and an Ambrose dove taking out everybody. Ziggler went for a jumping DDT, but Rollins caught him with the jumping DDT and turned it into a falcon arrow. Just mm-hmm. deadlifted him into the air. Very impressive. Uh, Ziggler then avoided the stomp, took a buckle bomb. Drew made the save. Uh, we, then we got into the near falls where I thought the audience really picked up. First, it was Rollins kicking out of the zigzag. He got up, uh, super kicked McIntyre. That was a big near fall. And then Rollins fall with another super kick, frog splash combo that McIntyre kicks out of. Place explodes. Rollins goes to the floor with a Pescado and misses. Ends up on the floor. But then when he comes back, he makes his return. He does his superplex off the top and then goes for the follow-up Falcon Arrow. But in doing so, Drew comes off with a Claymore kick as Ziggler lands on top for the three count. That this was, finish was awesome. It was so beautifully timed. Like, he had such a small window where Seth's face would have been exposed for that Claymore kick. And they they all executed it perfectly. Like, this was a... I would say the... 75% of this match, it was like they were, it was simmering, they were building it, and in yeah. the last five minutes, they reached their peak, mm-hmm. and this was a tremendous finish. Uh, 22 minutes, 57 seconds, great match. Like, this was turning into, like, a pretty good show at this point. Yeah, I agree. I really like the match, too. Uh, you know, I can certainly, you can certainly tell that they were kind of going a bit slow uh, off the start before ramping up for the finish. Um, I, I... I don't know what it was about this time, but like I kind of felt a little bit too bored. I felt like they went a little bit too long with the back and forth. I think if you watch a lot of WWE matches, in particular tag matches, so many of them follow pretty much all of them follow the same formula. You know, you uh, hot tag, heat up the baby face, and then you, you take turns. So much so that I think I just found myself really not fully engaged because I knew that we were not near the finish until everybody kind of took their turn. It's also a show that. You got a twenty-five, a twenty-four minute opener, then twenty-three here. Yeah. It's, you know, sometimes it's great when you look at matches and they're all getting time, but when you have so many lengthy matches and you know what's like, that's a lot for the audience. And I think that they paid for it in the next match because yep. this audience really took an intermission during this this next one. So, um, first of all, Mick Foley met with Braun Strowman backstage, explaining how Hell in a Cell changed his career, and Braun says you need to. Uh, Foley said he had to respect his authority and Strowman just told him to do his job or else he'll have a monster problem. Then we had all the promos for the Mixed Match Challenge. Mm-hmm. Four of them. Four, Four of them all at once, yeah. including AJ's woos. Yeah, AJ trying to woo. Um, Which he should have learned in TNA that when he had to be Ric Flair, not not the best idea. Yeah, well, so. he was kind of doing it 
in, in a bit more jest this time. I guess so. I like a lot more of the teams this year around. I feel like at least with these selfie promos, they seem to all have a bit more chemistry than than all, many of them last year. Do you foresee watching any of the mixed matches? Yeah, for one? sure. I think we'll, I'll, I'll at least make an effort. I'll, I can talk about it on SmackDown. Can you believe that there are... Like the amount of shows beginning this week now with the 205 Live is moving to Wednesday. 205 Live, you got a three hour block on Wednesday. Yep. You've got two and a half hours on Tuesday, three yep. hours on Monday. Yep. Oh boy. It's a lot. It's a and lot it's, of stuff. I don't think they expect everybody to watch everything. You know, this is a, again. No, but do you expect us to watch everything? <laughs> Uh, well, Brayden and Davey have uh, NXT and the Mayhem Classic covered. See, I watch those well. two regardless. Yeah, I, I like watching I those two. Mixed Match Challenge and 205 Live, those are ones, it's really going to depend on the week. If I hear something great, I'll, I'll try and watch it, but you got, you got to draw the line somewhere. Total Divas coming back too. That 100% I won't be watching. Oh, okay. Are you? I think I will. Yeah. Yeah. AJ Styles, Samoa Joe for the WWE title. Um, kind of interesting placement, I guess. Yeah. They also replayed the, uh, at this point, the Joe Storytime promo. And for whatever reason, they took out the music this time around. So it felt extra creepy. Okay. That one felt weird. And on the pre-show, they had Mick Foley, he was interviewed, and mm. they turned off the crowd. So Mick walks in, and he's he's used to doing a typical WWE backstage promo where you pause for the pop when yeah. you walk into the shot, and it wasn't there. It's just silence. Oh, I didn't notice. It was weird. Okay. It just seems yeah. strange. Hmm. Um Anyway, and you're right. This one, like, this took effort to take out the music. No, like, I'm not the, sure. Like, not why? Sure I don't know. But And they played this a lot, that video. Like, they were very happy with it, obviously. Oh, yeah. Because they replayed the hell out of it. So, the match begins. Styles landed with his knee off the apron, follows with a baseball slide drop kick, and they're just going back and forth, and Styles slid under... Uh, on the turnbuckle, yanking Joe off the top, and then followed with a moonsault, inverted DDT. I thought they were working like a really good match. Yeah. And I just couldn't help but see the crowd was not into this. It was... But I'm watching this. I'm like, this is a really good match. I I thought throughout this was a very good match, and it just seemed like maybe the the peak for the the tag match just kind of... This was a match where they they just took a breather on. Um, Joe got up. He slingshot Styles into the corner, nailed him with this gigantic lariat that bloodied up the face of Styles. Like, he was Mm -hmm. bleeding from the mouth. This was an insane uh, lariat. Then Styles comes back. He tries for the Styles Clash. It's blocked. The Calf Crusher's blocked. He drops Styles with an Insiguri. Styles nails him with the Pele kick. He's stunned. He went for the phenomenal forearm, but Joe sidestepped, applied the Coquina Clutch, and then Styles rolled back a la Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Bret Hart, Roddy Piper, uh, but not using the turnbuckle. But he rolls on top. The referee counts three. And then Joe is protesting. He's insisting that Styles tapped. Styles has declared the winner. 19 minutes. So we don't know exactly what Joe's complaining about because... We're, on, we're seeing, like, the hard camera yeah, shot. Which you don't see anything at all. Yes. But the, the commentators are starting to pick up what Joe's complaining about. And then this is when the controversy kind of is... is yeah, introduced. they go through a few replays and then yeah. they get the opposite side. And it reveals... AJ tap before mm-hmm. the count of three. I thought that was all really well done, especially the fact that it took place on the other side of the camera so that it required a replay before you finally got to understand what was going on. And it's even more amazing because AJ never went through NXT. So how did he even know where the hard camera was? <laughs> well, obviously he didn't. I guess That's not. That's <laughs> why he needed that training. And I, Listen, I, this was such a strange match because I thought like I thought as a match... Great. 
I thought it was better than the SummerSlam match, but I thought that yeah. this one it did it paled in comparison to the the heat that the SummerSlam match got. Yeah. I thought the audience was really out of this. I I kind of get the sense that um there's a, there's certainly a section of the audience that that was looking forward to this match the most, but um I can't say it was the match that was given the most build. You know, the most sor- story. Yeah, it had a fair bit. You're right. You like, did. this was a real personal issue. Hmm. It was a good match. I just think they saw it sandwiched. Like, we have a lot of big matches to come. Yeah. We've already sat through quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, at this point. That it was, like, this was one of the casualties for this crowd. That they were just not as up for as the previous one. Or the next one, mind you. The mixed tag, they got him right back. I think it, I think it was missing uh, some uh, screwdriver into an earlobe. To really kind of maybe Wendy needed crowd. to make an appearance. Maybe everyone was expecting. <laughs> well, you Wendy. kid, but I feel like this type of sports entertainment show requires something like that. You know, some type of Samoa Joe getting on th- onto the microphone, threatening the family, like SummerSlam. He did that, and I felt like it elevated that match and kind of made people pay a bit more attention than just the matches, the match and the moves themselves, which doesn't always stand out on a on a WWE card. You know, um, I mean, as a straight up wrestling match, I thought it was tremendous. I thought it. Though was kind of missing that drama, it was missing that big level of uh, of whether it, it missed the drama of the SummerSlam match, and I yeah. thought the crowd heat too. But as a match, if you're just watching both on, like this was a really strong match, I thought. Um, but I can't say match of the night because of the the negatives I thought I saw attached to it. Yeah, but I think the the finish was really nice. I liked a little bit of controversy. I thought it was well executed. It was a great way to set up a, a third match in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Which Joe already had, but now it's uh, yeah, obviously for the title. So, Charlie Caruso interviewed The Miz and Maurice backstage. Their outfits are just ridiculous, and I can't wait to see photos of people going out as these two for Halloween. Who? Who's that? Anybody. Oh, Miz. Some fans. Miz and Maurice. Oh, yeah. Miz They're and Maurice. selling those glasses. I'm sure they are. Yeah. Um, they called Bree and Brian irrelevant losers. So, that takes us to Brian and Bree against The Miz and Maurice. And... Early on, Brian missed in the corner, and they teased that he had a head injury. Got heat on the head as he was grabbing it. And they, they were constantly trying to build up to... Like, Bree and Maurice felt like that was the focus. Bree was the hot tag yes. that they were both building to. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's not an easy feat, but it works in this scenario. It also summarizes this feud that this seems to be a... It's been more about Bree getting her hands on Maurice and Miz than it has been Brian, who's kind of just... At least he's there. At least for this month. Yeah. This month. It, it, it certainly does feel a bit like a detour from, from maybe what the SummerSlam match was. Yeah. Miz got the heat on Brian for a while. They cut to Bree, who's balling up her fist to just get... She wants to get her hands it on Miz. It was all working with this audience. But this audience like, loved it. Like, yeah. as much as I enjoyed Styles Joe, this one worked better for the crowd. They were all into this. A hundred percent. I mean, anyway, please continue. Miz hit the kicks in the corner as the crowd chanted, No... Brian headbutted Miz from the top, missed with a diving headbutt, and Miz tried to pull him away, but Brian back body dropped him to the floor. Brian makes the tag, and then Miz got in between Bree and Maurice, so Bree unloaded on the Miz and ended up doing a baseball slide dropkick through Miz's legs to Maurice. That was great. That was great, and yeah. then smashed her face into the desk. Yeah, I'm glad it wasn't a suicide dive through the legs. No, she... Baseball slide, perfect. Hey, Brie had a much better performance here than she did on Raw two weeks ago. Uh, Brian hit a knee strike off the apron and then got tossed into the apron. And Brie hit a missile drop kick, goes for the cover on Maurice, and Miz pulls her off. And this sets off Brian, who attacks Miz, calls him a son of a bitch. And Brian and Brie delivered the yes kicks in tandem. Mm -hmm. 
did you hear my my joke on Twitter about what their submission finished? I was not actually. I did not follow you on Twitter because I wanted to hear it fresh. What was it? Couple mutilation. Oh, that's great. I love it. We didn't get that submission though. Bree sent Maurice into Miz, which sent Miz to the floor. Bree goes for the roll up, which Maurice reverses and. I guess was supposed to be grabbing for Bree's tights. Um, it looked, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, she's it, wearing it, like full out trunks. It would have made sense that she her tights would, would have to cheat to win somehow, but it didn't look like she did. No, it looked a little cl- clumsy at the end. Yeah. But she pins Bree, and so at the end of this, uh, yeah, they it's like Miz and Maurice. They win outs- again. They outsmart them. Yeah. Thir- thirteen minutes, and yeah, that was it. I mean, I, honestly, on this show, like this was. Probably one of the matches that got over the most, mm-hmm. but also one that, I mean, just strictly bell to bell, not really all that strong, but it worked. It I mean, totally worked. I wouldn't have expected this to be as strong, you know, on the level of a Joe Styles at least, but especially with if you're the WWE producing these types of matches, you don't care as much about the in-ring quality. I think now more than ever they do, especially for a large section of the audience. But if you're judging by crowd reaction... Well, here's this- a great question to ask a performer is that... What would you? What match would you have rather been a part of tonight? Yeah, Styles and Joe, which technically blew this away, mm-hmm. or this match, which to the live crowd, no question, which one got over more? Yeah. Like, what is the ultimate goal of yeah. when you go out into that ring and what you want to elicit from the audience? Well, yeah, but it's also, also we're kind of talking about this match like it was like only Brie Bella and Maurice. It was not. It, this was much of this match was Daniel Bryan and the Miz setting up that. It was hot fine. Tag. It was. Um, but they did a great job setting it up, and and I think the inclusion of the spouses in there does kind of make the the whole thing a bit more uh, interesting and a bit more exciting to a, 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 a section of this fan base. Like building up a hot tech to Brie Bella is not an easy task, but I think it works here because they've established that Brie Bella in an inter on a one on one confrontation with Maurice should get the better of Maurice. She did very well with with her hot tag, uh, delivered I think a lot of energy and a lot of great fire. Overall, I just felt like this match felt like a fun house show match. Yes. And and it just like seemed to really engage a, a, a good section of this audience. So one of the better intergender matches I've seen. I feel, though, coming out of this, it's like Brie and Maurice seems to be For evolution? what they'll do. Why not? I don't know if I want to see that as well. I don't like, either. Um, but I'll tell you, like Brian and Miz, I'm kind of over it at this point. I'm not completely. I think they could do a stipulation match, you know, to, to kind of bring it. There, sh- like, there should be something. Like, there needs yeah. to be a reason why Miz is taking this match with Brian. But again, that match has technically been announced. Yeah. It also doesn't feel like they would do the culmination of this feud in Australia. I feel like they would save that for a Survivor Series or something like that. You it's know? also a number one contenders match, which maybe Brian oh. shouldn't be hmm. eligible for. Should he? Why not? Just, he just lost. He's lost two pay-per-views in a row here. Why is he in line for a title over Randy Orton? I don't know, dude. Why? I'm just trying why to make did, sense. Why of did George St. Pierre get a title shot? I guess maybe that's that. They're going to explain the rankings don't matter. He's, he's it's, popular. It's about, it's about drawing money. Yeah, uh, silly me. So Michael Cole provided an update. Did you catch all of this? Nope. Jeff Hardy has been throwing up blood. Oh yes. And he's been bleeding from the mouth. Which I'm not a doctor, but I was would assume that maybe he's bleeding from the mouth because he's vomiting up blood. Yeah. Vomiting up blood, bleeding from the mouth. That would be hard to distinguish the two. He's also having severe abdominal pain. Yes. So um, he was taken to a local medical facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe both Hardys are going to be gone for a while. We should talk about Matt Hardy at the end of this. Sure. 
Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Title followed. Uh, we had all the the entourages here: Natalia, Mickey James, Alicia Fox. I mean, everyone was dressed up here. Mm-hmm. It's quite the the Halloween. the outfits here. Yeah, yeah. the eye makeup is back. I, I I understand now for Ronda, it's sort of like a pay per view thing, right? This is a special look for uh, pay per view. What I'm guessing, it's kind of like it wasn't. It's, it's her demon. I guess so. Yeah. It wasn't as crazy as SummerSlam, which was a few steps too far. This was just like the eyes. So she looked more like Sheila the She-Wolf here, I thought. Sure. Yeah. Or or like, you know, like the more I think about it, the more I just feel like it's I accept it now, you know, and very much in the way like uh like like a like a Bull Nakano, you know, or a lot of like uh Japanese women's wrestlers might have similar. Rousey immediately starts throwing her and then Bliss Kicks her in the ribs, and this became uh, was the whole focus of the match. It was Rousey selling the ribs. Uh, Rousey would come back, but then mounts her, and Alicia Fox gets onto the apron. Which there you go for for all you white belts out there. There's your defense. Have Alicia Fox in your corner. If you get mounted, they'll give up a dominant position if you distract. She threw Bliss across the ring, goes for the armbar. Mickey and Alicia just pull her to the floor. More submission defense. defense. Yeah. Uh, Bliss then was tossed onto Fox and James, and Bliss returns and kicks at the ribs. Rousey goes for the standing Kataguruma, but can't execute it because of the rib injury. And I'm going to give Rousey this credit that she sold these ribs, like every movement. It was focusing on the ribs. Now, you could also argue it was too much. It was was some overselling. There was a lot of it, but I'll, I'll take that over ignoring uh, an yeah. injury. So, I it's, mean, there's a fine line between yeah. the two. And, I think and, and you saw both in this. Ronda's still certainly trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think some of the like yelling during the match, it's, it's sometimes just too much. Like she's from got Ronda the, from Ronda. She's got the arm. It's like too much. Yeah. Who's taking a souvenir home. Yeah. And it's like, uh, man, <laughs> I hope this little woman is not hurt too badly by you. Yeah. Um, Rousey was put into the tree of woe, and Bliss drop kicked her ribs. I thought Bliss played a tremendous heel in this I did match, too. like I just did too. the taunting. Uh, as a wrestler, I thought she did really well. Like too. this was one of her yeah. better performances. All yeah. s- very basic, centered around the ribs. Mm-hmm. But I thought at times it was able to overcome the visual that yes, Alexa was so antagonistic that you wanted to see her get hers. Right. right. Yeah. So I, I thought she was, you know, in, in many ways, kind of um, the star here. I agree. Um, Bliss was kicking at the ribs, punching at them. This is when she mocked her for her angry face. And Rousey hits, her heart rate hits 200. I just watched Incredible Hulk. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, and the uh, the radiation treatment just penetrated through. See, that movie is not as popular and not really kind of in my memory as much. But I, I look forward to <laughs> discussing my, my, my to memory, talking about memory. with you. Rousey just like grabs Alexa and... Man, the transformation stuff, it's like, it's goofy. It's, it, it's, it doesn't come across that well. It's like, like, it's Ronda Rousey. I think that's part of the issue. Like, here's a person I've seen so much in MMA, the most legitimate person. Exactly. And you're turning her into Hulk Hogan with the Hulk up spot, right? Oh. It doesn't really work as well. Especially I- when Ronda starts, I swear I heard her grr when she was doing it. You know what I see when she does it now? I hear Vince McMahon producing her, telling her how to, you're gonna snap. It's like he's telling Draws to puke. It's like he's telling her how to Hulk up. Yeah, sure. And Rousey starts punching her own ribs, which was, eh, okay, whatever. Maybe I'm being a little nitpicky here. She's supposed to t- say that she's entered a new, uh, 
mindset. Yeah. She can't feel any pain she's, now. She's super saiyan, yes. Like, she really is, like, Incredible Hulk here. Like, that's, well, like, like anybody. Template. Like, hulking up. Whoever. Is, yeah. So, she's attacking with these, like, right uppercuts. Bliss goes for a punch, and she stuffs the I Iron Fist. I know that. you hate that. I hate it. Like, it just... Number one, again, because it's Ronda Rousey. Number two, it just looks corny as hell. Like she, the Kung Fu block. The karate block. Yeah, she blocks it. Applies the arm breaker. Instant tap by Alexa Bliss after 12 minutes. I, I think there was a lot uh, uh, of good and critiquing that can come from this match. Like yeah. long... I, I'm not convinced that Ronda should be doing long, heavy selling matches. I don't know if people want to see her doing this lengthy selling... And I also think they need to do this this Hulk up spot a little more gracefully. She has to work on it, I think. I mean, I don't know if she should be kind of exhibiting as much as she has now, but that's the position she's been. She's, the she's effort in, is right? clearly there. Like she well, is, she is not dogging it by any stretch. I think it's just selling is really tough. The other thing is like, in order for her to eventually be good at that stuff, which she has to be in order she to has be to a well rounded wrestler. Yeah. yeah, they have to put her in positions like this. And seeing her here, I already thought she was way better than she was on Monday. And knowing, I think, the type of person that Ronda Rousey is, she just needs to know exactly what she needs to work on, and she will drill the shit out of it. And in a year's time, I guarantee you, she'll probably be a lot better at doing all of this stuff. Selling all this... I mean, I was certainly not looking forward to, I think, a match based around Ronda selling her ribs. And it started off really rocky, but... I, I think this turned into a pretty good match. Like, I thought, like we talked about, Alexa was tremendous. I thought they booked it really well around the injury. Um, this was so much better than SummerSlam. I'm trying to remember. It was like the yeah. one-sided squash by yeah. Ronda. Yes, I agree. You I know, agree. This, this was a much more ambitious match to pull off. They too. needed a way to, I think, make Ronda look sympathetic against the much smaller Alexa Bliss. And I think the rib injury was, was the answer that they, they had. So... That concluded that, uh, and then Samoa Joe is shown backstage yelling at the referee, showing him the replay of AJ tapping, and then Paige enters, he yells at her, and Paige just shuts him down and says he will get his rematch at Super Showdown. Joe doesn't want to wait three weeks. Paige agrees with Joe that there must be a winner in Australia. So that would suggest a stipulation of some sort. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe it's... I don't know, you do a last man standing or you do a submission match. You could do a submission I, match. I love that, sure. Calf Crusher versus Coquina Clutch. That's yeah. an idea. Um, Even a cage, something like that, yeah. Submission matches, it seems very weird for a stadium show. Like, that mm. seems like a very. That seems like kind of. It's like stadiums, you want to be. You know, big, big moves and and build, yeah. and playing to that that larger audience that you have right. in front of you. Hmm. Um, maybe you want something more dramatic that you can build upon. But anyway, that's going to be happening in three weeks, and maybe then they'll put the title on Joe. Possible. AJ's had this title almost a year at this point. I almost feel like they want to have AJ have that very long reign that that he can continue to brag about. Main event: Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman for the Universal Title, Hell in a Cell match. I thought Mick Foley got the biggest reaction by... Sorry, Michael Darcy is letting us know that, and this is such a great thing about having a live chat, that Paige said it will be a no-DQ match. Oh, okay. Well, thank so, you, Mike. Michael, on top of things. Thank you, Michael no Darcy, DQ match. executive producer, and uh, giving us these cues live. Thank there we you. go. Thank you, you too. Okay. So, no-DQ match. There must be a winner. Okay. Does that guarantee a winner? Yeah. Doesn't it? I guess it could. 
I thought Hell in a Cells were no DQ. You can have a ca- double count. Ca- or you, no, you, you know what? They out. specifically noted no DQ for the Hell in a Cell. We didn't get a winner in the you next match. You can have a double pinfall. You can have Brock Lesnar show up and rip a door off its hinges, and we're not going to get a winner then. That too. That too. So, not guaranteed. Uh, Mick Foley, I thought, got the biggest of the, the three uh, reactions coming mm. out between Braun, Roman, and, and himself. Uh, Strowman stole the title away, held it up in front of Roman, who just attacked him, nailed him with strikes to begin the match. Strowman caught Reigns coming off the steps and chokeslammed him onto the edge of the apron. Reigns grabbed a kendo stick, broke it over top of Braun, and then he's using a chair as a weapon. Reigns hit two more Superman punches, but the third gets stopped and he took a choke slam. Strowman thought he won the match. Uh, I didn't see this clearly, but it seemed like Mick Foley counted three, and the announcers were really on top of him saying, oh, he must be a little uh, rusty. I think it was just a near three count. Anyway, um, so Braun was upset at that. Strowman was yelling at this moron to stay down. And Reigns comes back, spears him through a table in the in the corner. He gets a two count, but this was a really dangerous spear into the corner. Because Roman Reigns, who only executed the move, he didn't even take the bump. These two were laid down on this ring for easily eight more minutes after this. Yeah. I thought for a main event, this was a really glaring oversight from whoever laid out this match, to leave these two monsters laying like that off a Table. relatively yeah. tame spot when you were doing all this outside stuff and these two guys had to lay down there like idiots for eight minutes. It was really glaring, especially given who it was. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, uh, I think especially for those two who have survived everything to lie down for eight minutes, um, I think it the spot either needed to be bigger or they needed to cut back to the two of them so that they could knock each other Some explanation, again. some reason. Yeah. Instead, they were just left there like fools. Yeah. So this is when Dolph and Drew run down, followed by Ambrose and Rollins. And they fight all around the cage. And then Dolph wants to get away from all this. So do you run to the back or do you climb up to the top of the cell? And all four made their way up to the top of the cell. We know, like, the the reasons are kind of ridiculous, but who's who's not happy to see it? Come on. Yeah, this was like the big visual, getting all four on top. Yeah. They fought, and then Ziggler and Rollins scaled to the side of the cell. So they're not at the top, but they're on the side panel. They did quite a bit up there. I mean, there's plenty of brawling, and I'm happy that, like, at this point... Just simply brawling on top of the cell for that visual of seeing men on top, like uh, uh, just having a kind of like a brawl, like that is impressive enough and we don't kind of really need to see somebody fall through it, for instance. This show is not missing some crazy stunt. Like I know people would enjoy it seeing it, but I think there's a lot of people that also – they don't want to see that stuff anymore. Like falling off of it. Yeah. Yeah, no. Like Like jumping off the cell. Well, I thought what they did here was I was more than satisfied. Yeah, I think the people were, largely. So Rollins and Ziggler are on the side, and they tumble off going through the desks. The Michaels bump, but like with two people. This was a big fall from the side. It looked very high, especially from like kind of the low angle that they shot it at. Yeah. Yeah. And this was the first time two people did that that bump at at once. Yeah. Yeah. Then Brock Lesnar's music hits, and Mike Johnson had reported this earlier in the day that he was backstage, and... Unlike most times where they're hiding guys in trailers and he was out and about, it seemed they wanted this to get out. Or Brock probably just didn't. He's Brock like, didn't. I'm not, I'm not staying here for five hours. Are you kidding me? I think this is Michael Cole's deal now because he specifically goes out of his way now to say, 
No one in a million years expected Brock Lesnar to be here tonight. I think Cole just gets a rise out of just poking at people, knowing that this news is out there. Most people knew about this all afternoon. I wouldn't have known unless you told me, because I'm not reading. I'm not saying everybody, but I think a healthy percentage would know. Maybe. Like 30% probably knew this. Okay, my... Okay, so first of all, Paul Heyman maces Mick Foley. Which is his new It's his new... It's the new cell phone for him. For the new generation. And that was the end of Mick Foley in this match. Yeah. He was eliminated via mace. And then Brock rips the door off the hinges. Awesome. This was great. He asked for the door to be open. Nobody will open it. So he just <laughs> pulls it open himself. But it's such was, a great spot for Brock. He's so goofy. But I like, it works it. for Brock Lesnar. Yes. Lesnar attacks Reigns and, and Strowman. Who literally have been down this whole time. That the, the other four had gone around the cage. Up the cage, down the cage, done the bumps. Strowman and Roman have been lay, laid out here this whole time. Brock attacks them with a broken piece of a table. He hits Strowman with an F5, then an F5 to Reigns on top of Strowman. He walks out and leaves. Another referee comes in, calls off the match. 24 minutes, 24 seconds, and that's it. They go off the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I reserve judgment on... The booking of this, because if Brock is not scheduled for Australia. Australia or the Survivor Series, I have no idea what this finish was. I have to think he would be. I, I would Australia. think so. That would make the most sense, wouldn't it, to have him come here for for but the show? Roman and Brock are, or Roman and Strowman are booked in a match. They're in that six man, so you can add somebody else to make it. Oh, what? they're in the six man. You're right. Yeah, six man tag. Yeah. Okay, so I'm guessing it's the one after that then. Like maybe it's Survivor Series. Yeah. Because that, that would be the next show. Yeah. I hope it's building to something. So <laughs> what does this mean for Brock Lesnar's MMA career, I suppose, if if we can kind of jump ahead to that topic? There's no um, knowledge that he signed a UFC contract. He is being tested by USADA, so he's going to that length to be able to be cleared. So Okay, and he did look... Maybe in a bit more kind of he looks, shape. He looks like a guy that yeah. is training. the Like he is slimmed down and he looks like a guy that is getting ready to fight. So if you're basing it just on the eye test, it looks like he's, you know, he's got probably a great WWE offer mm-hmm. in front of him. And he's, or Saudi Arabia, I guess he could do as well. You know what? Saudi Arabia. Yeah. That would probably be, they, they, maybe they've struck a deal with him to do Saudi Arabia. Sure. That's probably the most likely. Getting back to the match, um, you know, I, I thought it kind of started off as like a lot of Roman Reigns main events, like at this late into the show, just get right into kind of your finishes, all your big moves, all your weapons and all that. And I thought that was all kind of well and good. It was, it felt satisfying to me, but then like, I think they really took it to another level when obviously, you know, all the, all the canine showed up around the ring and climbed on top of the cell um, the canine. Sometimes, like, I watch, you know, wrestling for wrestling. But if I'm watching a Hell in a Cell match, I kind of want to at least see somebody brawl on top of the cell. And they delivered it here. They even had two people fall off the side. So I came out of the show perfectly satisfied with that. And everything on top of it would have been gravy. It just so happens that this gravy was seeing Brock Lesnar. So I... I really enjoyed kind of this match for not really just the match alone, but a lot of the bells and whistles. What was not made a big deal at all of this, uh, nor was it announced as such, was this being the Money in the Bank cash-in. Yeah, yeah. So do do you see them doing some... This was the cash-in match, though. They already did it. Like, they already announced it. Do you see Baron Corbin doing any kind of heelish tactic, though, to reintroduce the briefcase? Um, Or do you think it's I don't think so. Because I think this is kind of a weird way to just eliminate the Money in the Bank cash-in. 
Well, I mean, they're kind of in a corner, right? Where they don't want to pin Braun. They don't want to have Roman lose the belt. But, as they're out. but you had to do this match. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I thought the match was fine. I preferred the first Hell in a Cell on the sure. show, uh, the match earlier with Orton and Hardy. Um, I can see people being a little disappointed with, with the ending here, but yeah. I'm going to be optimistic that this is building to something with Brock and it's not just simply, we had no other way out of this. Yeah. Well, think about if you. No way that he would just show up. No, it's, and not with Brock. Brock is not the guy that, hey, we have no finish. Let's get, like, Brock showing up means something big. So he's not just showing up for no reason. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that's, you know, as the more I think about it, Saudi Arabia is probably even more likely than Survivor mm. Series. Like, that is their big, big money show when you're hearing, you know, Shawn Michaels being yeah. teased for that show. So that was Hell in a Cell. I thought a really good show overall. Yeah, I did too. What did you think was, what was your favorite match on the show? I mean, it kind of, it, it depends. I'm, are you talking about from a technical standpoint or from well, my reaction? What match tonight did you enjoy the most? I really actually enjoyed the main event. I actually really enjoyed Brie and, and uh, 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 Brian versus Miz and Maurice. I thought those two were really great. I, I think there were other moments in other matches, like the the, the last five minutes of that Shield um, uh, Dogs of War. Yeah. Is that what they're called? The Dogs of the War. The Dogs of War match was fantastic, and I can see a lot of people picking that as their favorite match. Uh, parts that was of mine. The- Parts of AJ and, 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 and Joe were really good. Parts of the first Cell match were good. Parts of Alexa and, 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 and Ronda were really good. So top to bottom, I thought actually a pretty strong show. I think it's hard to kind of isolate what was the weakest match on this show. Like yeah. it might be either the, the what, the women's match or the mixed tag? Like like even Becky Charlotte I thought was, was a pretty I strong thought, match. Oh, man. I really so, like that. I, really I mean, like, if you're looking this at This is a very good show overall. In like, hindsight, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, so, so I enjoyed it. Uh, let us go to the forum and see what everyone else had to say. What if what if we get like worst pay per view of the year from everybody? Well, on a scale, this is a pay per view one to twenty. What what do you think? I'm gonna go fourteen. Uh, I'll say thirteen because people are pretty harsh on our group. Thirteen point zero five. Okay, damn. Yeah. Way's got his finger on the pulse. <laughs> All right, let us start with Brandon from Oshawa. Of course, yes. Oh, look at this. Decided to up my Patreon to double double about twenty minutes after you guys started to record. Oh, Man, wow. that's. That was us uh, doing a the go home show. Hey, what did you think about this show as the go home show for Super Showdown? What do you mean? They oh, were this pl- was it? No, it's not. But yeah. I mean, this show was man. They were plugging the hell out of. Sh- I I can't recall a pay per view where so much focus was on the next one as yeah. this. Which how far are we from? Three weeks. Hmm. I mean, yeah, they, they have a lot of eyeballs on this one, and I guess they want to get enough people to sign and stay on with the network for that. The big show. question: Will we watch that at five a.m. On the Saturday morning. I likely will. Like, that's just when I'm probably up. I might too, to be yeah. honest. I, I think kind of, we, it's like Wrestle Kingdom. It's like kind of part of the... the, the, the I don't know if this one will be Wrestle Kingdom, but... Well, I mean, the like watching a show live. I, I'm yeah. more looking at the idea of getting our review up instantly. Yeah. I think that'd be okay. uh, something to aspire let's, for. Let's do it. And then you're going to have to hang out with all your real Maybe friends we, that night for Connor. <laughs> we might even do one of these. The live stream things. Are you going to come over at 5 a.m.? I, I don't know. I'll be up at 5 a.m. There are other ways to do it besides us being, uh, you know, in the same room. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's go to Brandon here. Uh, thank you very much. Anyone who, you know, tuned in for the live video stream, very cool. And those of you who didn't, we're appreciative that you're try just next listening. Time. Try yeah, next time. We're going to try these out. This is a really solid show and proves that less is more. I definitely agree with that. I, yeah. I enjoyed this so much better as, um, you know, SummerSlam, I'm sure... You can isolate parts that there was some great stuff to SummerSlam, mm-hmm. but overall, like it drags, like inevitably 
that length of a show drags. It's just daunting to to as well, like going into a show knowing you're going to see all this stuff and going to have to sit through all this stuff. Well, you know what I liked? We didn't have like the Baron Corbin requisite singles match. We didn't have a Bobby Lashley 10-minute singles. Like no. just to get guys on the card. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that, no, they're not on this show. Yeah. They'll be on the next show. Yeah. And we don't need to put every single guy on every single show. Mm-hmm. This month, you're getting these people. Next month... You'll get Lashley and you'll get Kevin Owens on another month. I do, I see these guys a million hours every week. Yep. I can go without a pay-per-view without them. I agree. So, anyway, less, definitely more. Sure, some top names are left out, but not everyone needs to be on every show. I couldn't help but think of John. When Orton went for the ear, that may have got a bigger reaction than Hardy's dive. It, I thought it definitely did. I thought the WWE title and Raw tag title match both had creative finish finishes it was nice to see becky finally get the title ronda Alexa, i thought was very good too is there any chance you guys will be reviewing the mlw war games match i'd love to hear your thoughts on it uh my plan was to go through the cmll anniversary show on tuesday and if i have time i did want to watch um the war games because this is a pretty big episode of fusion which we cool. haven't really discussed so that barring time if i have time we I might have a lot to talk about in double shot. i know i know because the mcfoley show i think i want to watch and talk a little you bit know what well. if I, I will watch fusion I'll probably write about it on one of my updates. You should mention it too, just briefly. You don't have to like go through a whole thing. Yeah. But. Well, I'll try and watch it by Tuesday. Okay. But we, cool. we have lots that we're going to discuss Tuesday on the, the double shot, the ever expanding double shot. Yeah. The triple shot soon. Jake from the Windy City, the new blood r- red color of the Hell in a Cell kind of reminds me of that X Division Steel Asylum cage from TNA years ago. Can you imagine being in the crowd staring at that huge sea of red the entire night? Regarding the curtain jerker, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have nightmares for weeks of someone chasing me with a goddamn screwdriver trying to pierce my damn ears. As for Charlotte and Becky, I was really hoping for a double turn, but it looks like they're still building up to a bigger climax later, so I'll just see what happens. AJ Styles and Samojo was a strong match with a good finish once they showed the other camera shot, which definitely told the story that will keep the feud going strong into the rematch at the Super Showdown event and likely beyond. We go to Ari from Montreal. Randy Orton is just sick in the head. The screwdriver spot was just disgusting. Solid match, but ending was weird as Hardy was done, has done way crazier things and never had medical attention. Tag match was good and honestly shocked that Becky won. I thought Charlotte would cheat and a double turn would occur. Joe and Sal's matches are great storytellers and I can't, and I can watch this feud go on until WrestleMania 36. During the main event, I thought to myself, boy, it would be funny if Kane just popped up out of the ring. We did get a Kane reference, however, in the form of Lesnar just destroying the door. Good callback. I guess Heyman has been mugged. True, that's right. Yeah, that was from yes. the very first Hell in a Cell oh. match. Uh, I'm glad we had no callbacks to the second Hell in a Cell match oh. in this one. Yeah. I guess Heyman has been mugged one too many times and carries around a can of mace with him. The Rollins, Ambrose, and Kings of the Jungle ran right. in. Sorry, now that I think about it, that match really kind of played off exactly almost like that first Hell in a Cell match with Sean doing that bump off the side of the... the they had the no, side man. panels. We didn't get a finish, though, like the first one, right. where Undertaker was left for dead. Uh, the Rollins, Ambrose, and Kings of the Jungle run-in was way too long. Rollins and Ziggler also did the exact same spot of Rollins and Dean from a few years ago. 15 out of 20. What would be the best stipulation for the next chapter in Styles and Joe? Could they go... Well, we've answered this. It's a no-DQ match, so yes, that's, apparently. I guess, what they're going with next, which, yeah, makes sense. 
Chris from Pennsylvania, this was probably the the best main roster show of the year. Everything through the first four matches was excellent. While things dropped off in the second half, nothing was bad. The Orton-Hardy match was brutal. The Raw tag title match was outstanding. And the AJ Joe match seemed to be a strong middle chapter in their rivalry. I'm not sure where they are going with the universal title picture, though. Do you guys think they will give the briefcase back to Strowman due to the match being called off? That sounds strange, but given how much they protect the Money in the Bank briefcase, it would be even more unsatisfying for the cash-in to be wasted on a no-contest. You know, uh, I can't see them doing that. Yeah, I can't Possible. see them doing something. So I, I don't like when they trivialize gimmicks like that because the money in the bank is a gimmick you've introduced that people do take seriously. Mm-hmm. That I don't like them doing all this, you know, yeah, gimmick bullshit with. But not every match needs to be a successful cash in, though. You know, like people can have failed cash ins, and mm-hmm. I think this could be their way out. But can I see them doing that? Yes, yeah, I can. Uh, we go to. Chris from Pennsylvania. This was probably the best main roster show of the I just... Oh, no. sorry. Uh, Jalen from Pickering. The main event was a joke. Climbing to the top didn't really make sense, and that bump off the side of the cell is the dumbest spot you can do in a cell match. Always comes off as extremely contrived. Unfortunately for NXT, Chomp is no longer the best heel in wrestling. After thinking we were finally free, Lesnar showing up was the biggest heel move of the year. I also love how they wasted money in the bank and turned Strowman heel for whatever garbage booking we're about to endure. But Becky won, Joe has magically great hair, and the Raw tag match is great. So there is that. We got a Hagaki who says, Show didn't really feel like it had any filler, with the exception of the mixed tag match, which turned out to be passable. The matches felt long, but in a good way. I'm glad Becky got the belt, even if the match felt a bit sloppy. The main event was the, the coolest... The cooler match for me to get ready for bed, so I guess the surprise of Brock made it something. But I've given up on the universal scene being appealing for a while. All right, we move on to the Saucy Duke. I enjoyed the opening match, but the finish really annoyed me. The referee refusing to count the pin because a wrestler is hurt in a Hell in a Cell match, no less, is beyond stupid. Hurting your opponent is the whole point. Nice to see Becky win the title. Good match and great booking for a change. The tag match was good, but a little slow in parts and relied a little too much on the false finishes for my liking, but the ending was good. The WWE title match was pretty good and the finish was better than, say, a double countout, but man, that's the 14th screwy finish for an AJ Styles pay-per-view match in his run. It's getting pretty old at this point. The last three matches weren't very good. It's really bumming me out how badly Brian's return run is going. Brock showing up was a genuine surprise, but it was a pretty flat ending. WWE worked so hard all summer getting Brock booed but he returns tonight like the ultimate babyface. the resultant triple threat match should be good but ending a hell in a cell match main event like that is rough six out of ten chris kent who says could it have been worse better than SummerSlam or extreme rules i thought the finish to randy jeff had an awkward feel to it but the match was absolutely brutal all right and we finish with dan Hey guys, just signed up for the Double Double for tonight's live cast after being a lowly one milk, one sugar for a few That's months. That's not, don't say that at all. Like we, it's, it's only there if you want it. Well, he says, I'm happy for all of you. You guys sound good. John is a bit distant. Wade's levels are solid. After tonight's experiment, would you consider broadcasting your reviewer shows live as you record them every Monday and Tuesday night? Yeah. There you we go. That's consider, your answer. Yeah, we consider it. I mean, it's just a bit more of a process, even as simple as this. John and I don't always record those shows uh, in the same room. In fact, we rarely do now. But I, I know there are other ways to do it through Skype. So it's something I'm, I'm definitely using this to test. Uh, we are down. The finals of Bola are in the ring right now. The oh. final is happening. I'm just going to say it because this is not something that is – like, is that really a spoiler? 
It's happening well, live. Okay, well, yeah. I don't uh, personally. I don't care as much because it's going to be so long before I I, I watch those. It's matches. going to be so long till it's only on DVD. Yeah, we're going to wait a month to talk so, about who wins. Well, whatever. Spoiler alert: Bola results. Blah blah. blah we're going to talk about some news before yeah, we yeah. we go off. Uh, so it came down to Jeff Cobb, Bandito, and Shingo Takagi, and Shingo was eliminated first. So now it's Cobb and Bandito. So before we end here, we might get a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, but just some news and notes. We mentioned earlier, 205 Live moving to Wednesday nights beginning this week. They haven't announced if this is permanent or just for the Mixed Match Challenge. Personally, I think that given the fact the May Young Classic is going to be ending uh, end of October, mm-hmm. I think doing a two-hour block on Wednesday with 205 Live and NXT is the way to go. It's what we've always wanted, isn't it? You know? Well, what we should have is 205 Live taped somewhere else, like full set. I think but that, we're not getting that. I think that's kind of more my 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 concern is when is 205 Live going to be taped? My assumption is that they will tape it before the mix match, or sorry, before SmackDown and and the mix match challenge because it's it's just simply asking people to stay a, a little too late uh, if you're going to do a full one-hour show. Right. So um, as long as I think they do that, I don't really care where they air it. I feel like that's more of a show that people will watch on DVR or uh, at their own leisure anyway. It's funny when 205 Live debuted and people talked about, you know, they should take this before SmackDown, not after. And one of the complaints was, well, then how can you call it 205 Live? And I have not seen one person argue about it airing on Wednesdays I've seen under some, that name. Like, I've, I've heard like one or two. Oh, like, really? Real kind who of cares? sticklers. Like who gives a it shit? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Jimmy Kimmel Live is still called Jimmy Kimmel Live, but it's not always live. Yeah, so I, I would never overthink the name of that. I think it's better on Wednesdays. I, I'll say personally, there's a way better shot of me watching it every week on Wednesdays than I think, it would on Tuesday. I think following NXT is a better time slot for it than to proceed. Because I feel like NXT for a lot of people is appointment viewing, whereas 205 Live at this point is Well, 205 Live is going to be on at 7. I get. I mean, it is on demand, but yeah, you do want to position but it. You want to get people to tune in for the NXT first and then stick around, right? Yeah. 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 So it's going to be airing this week, 7 o'clock, followed by NXT, followed by the May Young Classic. So Wednesdays are... And then Lucha and Underground is on Wednesday nights as well. Divas, the real main event. Oh my god. That's five hours of wrestling programming not, on Wednesday nights. I guarantee nights. you most of the people that are watching one might not watch the all all of it. Especially there are some that will. Yeah, like me, I might watch. I will not watch everything. Total Divas. But the other ones I'll try and watch most most weeks. No matter, I guess we'll, we'll have you all covered no matter what. So that move happens this week. Uh, Matt Hardy posted a video after the most recent uh, house show he was on in Corpus Christi, Texas. He said this is the last um, scheduled uh, match that he had. And said he's going home. Um, going home. You kept saying that. Yeah. He didn't say retired. He said never say never. And, you know, with Matt Hardy, it's always kind of. Yeah. You, you never you, know. You're always watching, seeing like, is this. Um, yeah. I don't think he's wrestled his last match. I don't think so either. Maybe in W. He's he he even himself in the video says it may be the last time you've seen me in a WWE ring. Which I could see the WWE saying he's done. Yeah. Offer him a producer role, and then in a year or so, he's back doing select independent dates. Mm-hmm. I feel he will wrestle again, but it seems that for now, um, that's it for at least WWE matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think to me, like watching a lot of his matches over the past year, none of them have really kind of made me feel like he should still be in the mix. You know what I mean? Like as a character, I think he's great. But I don't – I really feel like he should be working a, a, definitely a bit more of a limited schedule. And 
creatively, I wonder if he could be doing more with that character outside of this company. I, I look at him as someone, an extremely creative individual, obviously, yeah. that there to me is a, a bit of a hole since Jimmy Jacobs left of that guy that the locker room has a lot of respect for because he was a wrestler that can be that bridge with creative. And that mm. to me, more so than even being a road agent, like I would be looking at Matt Hardy in a creative capacity to be working with, working on promos, working on storylines. Like that to me is more the strength. Like he can, he's a, he'd be great putting matches together. Like don't get me wrong, but yeah. I think that he, he has a special skill set that could lend itself to creative, which I think a lot of the guys, they look at, you know, different writers and stuff. And there's just that natural bond you have with a guy that does have the wrestling background that Jimmy Jacobs got out of people like Chris Jericho and that they, they have that, that in common with that is something they could utilize. So that would be a role I would look at uh, for him if you're keeping him in WWE. And then beyond that, uh, do we have any other news really? What do we have? Uh, Quickly, show-wise. Uh, show-wise, tomorrow we'll be back with Rewind of Raw. Sm uh, Rewind of SmackDown on Tuesday. The double shot coming out with a bunch of reviews of, of a whole bunch of th things that we'll be watching uh, over the next few days. British Wrestling Experience comes back. Up next with the Mayon Classic, uh, Forever Young. If you actually subscribe to their feed, they have a review of the Mayon Classic with Dahlia Black from Progress. Yeah, oh, that was cool. Yeah. So uh, tune in for all of your Mayon Classic coverage on that show. And uh, Friday, Friday, Wayne and I are going to be reviewing The Incredible Hulk, yes. the 2008 Incredible Hulk starring Edward Norton. We had originally announced that we would be kind of skipping through our MCU reviews so that we could just review highlights. But I think I heard from enough of you that want us to do every single movie in order. So that's what we'll be doing. The second ever MCU movie release. Not one that I think gets talked about that often. But. Oh, but the drama involving this movie. Man, and I the, am and really the, looking forward to this one. I, I watched it all last night and then I read all about this. Really cool. And man. What, what do you think of the final location of that final battle? I, okay, save it, save it. Oh, save okay. It. Yeah. Um, lots of stuff to talk about on this Incredible Hulk review. So that's coming up. And then as we look ahead, next weekend is... Oh, sorry. We're going to have... Next weekend, we'll have the Tanahashi Okada show. That'll be out on Sunday. Oh, on Monday. Monday. We gotta watch, we gotta watch the Beppu there's show. A, there's a destruction card starting in a few hours. Yeah. We're gonna talk about the highlights of that on Monday night show yeah, on Rewind to Raw. So yeah. we're gonna condense that. We know there's a lot of shows coming at everybody. Uh, we don't wanna overwhelm. No, so, we'll just keep you up to date in or however format that we have. Yes, so we'll have a report up on the site, and then Wayne and I will chat the highlights Monday night, which is headlined by Minoru Suzuki and Tetsuya Naito. And don't forget Taichi. Taichi is going for the never openweight championship held by Hiroki Goto. Yep. So that's all coming up on Monday. Uh, do we have... We, we do not have uh, a winner of Bola yet, so tune into the site. We'll, okay. we'll keep everyone on... The edge of their seat. Thank you to everyone that tuned in uh, live or in podcast form. I really like doing this. This turned out well, yeah, I think. I think so. Do you, how do you feel about it? I like it too. I like it too. I I uh, I think um, uh, I think we'll try it again. All right. <laughs> That's it. Good night, everybody. Goodbye, and we'll speak with you Monday night. All right. And this is at the time when John hits uh, stop and we realize we didn't record the whole thing.